final hour of the People Show, live on location, the traveling Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bik Nazar and Israel Fair, it's the People Show. Brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at D-L-E-A-N-C dot com. Ian McIntyre will join us here in mere seconds from Sportsnet.ca. A triple threat, radio, TV, and writing as well over at Sportsnet.ca. You can read his latest on the Elias Pettersson. I don't want to say saga yet because we're in the uh, opening chapters of it for this season. But uh, he did say why an upcoming season could be a crucial tipping point for Pettersson and the Vancouver Canucks. Let's talk to Ian McIntyre. Hi, Mac. Welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well. Did you miss me, Bick? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) How was the summer? I saw the pictures from Switzerland and Scotland. Yeah, I've had a, I have to say, I've had a pretty fantastic uh, summer. My older son uh, is just now completing an exchange term uh, at university in Switzerland. So we combined a visit with him to a visit to uh, the old country in Scotland. And I uh, went ahead of the rest of the family and dropped my nine-year-old father off in his very remote and beautiful uh, hometown of Campbelltown on the West Coast, and then joined my family in Switzerland. Then we all came to Scotland. It was just really a great, great holiday. I'll be uh, paying for it all this year, but (laughs) it was still, it was still a tremendous experience. It's one of those, you know, like the commercial, it it is priceless because there were three generations of the family there. And I'm pretty sure it'll be the last time uh, we have three generations there. So it was, it was great. And then I come back and I think it's going to be all quiet. Uh, we had an Elliot Friedman bomb yesterday, and I I was able to get in touch with Pat Brisson, Pedersen's agent, and here I am, just back from holiday and on the radio with you guys. Uh, I was going to wait to get into all that stuff, but look at that, the perfect segue uh, from you. Uh, so, uh, day one, back into it. Um, thoughts on what uh, transpired these last 48 hours with Elias Pedersen? Yeah, uh, well, I like clarity. Uh, I'm yeah. in I'm in the information business, so I think clarity is good, and and I applaud uh, him and, and the Canucks because they're part of this as well. That if they weren't clearly, they weren't headed uh, towards an agreement this summer. There was nothing imminent. Um, we don't know what kind of numbers were exchanged. We, I think, it's safe to to say that the Canucks would would love to have wrapped them up on a long-term deal, you know, for whether that's six years or seven years or eight years, they'd love to have their best player under contract through his twenties. Um, that clearly wasn't going to happen. So uh, Pedersen didn't want this to be uh, a distraction much like with, I mean, he just saw what it was like for Bo Horvat last year. Now that situation, I know people are drawing comparisons, but there's, a fundamental difference in that Elias Pettersson is not going to be an unrestricted free agent after this year. So there's that major difference. But he just saw what uh, Horvat had to had to deal with, even though Bo had said before the season that he wasn't going to talk about it, but everybody else talked about it. So I think I think Elias wanted uh, to be able to focus, but I also think there's a, and 
you know, to the your initial comment, Vic, about the headline on, on my column on sportsnet.ca, mm-hmm. I think part of this as well is that you know, Pedersen and, and his side just want to see what the Canucks are going to be like. I mean, it, it's it's a massive commitment if you're talking about six, seven, eight years. It's, I mean, heck, it's a big commitment for four years. Uh, you know, the one that Austin Matthews just made yesterday. And this team has had nothing but turmoil uh, the last four years, really. They had they had two years of COVID-impacted uh, scheduling. And, and that first summer, you know, they had some success uh, in, in the bubble in Edmonton without fans in a playoff t- tournament that we will never see replicated. It was unlike anything... Uh, and I'm not taking anything away from the Canucks' achievement of winning a couple of rounds, but we've never seen anything like it. We're, ne- we're never going to see anything like it again because the players would never agree again to something like that. And since then, the Canucks had an atrocious 56-game uh, COVID season um, and in, have disappointed the last two years amid constant upheaval, you know, regime change, coaching changes, roster churn, uh, a lot of off-ice drama, such as uh, the Horvat trade mission last year. Uh, I really think that not just Pedersen, I think a lot of the players on this team, uh, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko, all the guys who have been here, uh, they're desperate to win, and they want to see how this season is is going to go. You know, there's there's been a lot of roster change in the off-season, most of it good, I think, but we still have to see how that's going to play out. It's also, let's remember it's, it's uh, Rick talk. It's first full year in charge and he is the GM's Patrick Alvin's guy. So it's not like he's not coming into this season. Like Bruce Boudreaux was coming into last season. So I think a lot of people uh, uh, among players, they want to see how this season is going to go. And, we know how much, uh, because of what he has said in the past, we know how much Elias Pettersson wants to win. We know that for players like, and let's stick with the three I've mentioned, uh, uh, Hughes and Pettersson and, and Demko, the, these guys now, they're, they're not old, but they're not young. You know, I mean, you look at their age, and Pettersson's still 24, and Hughes is 23, so it's, it's not old, but they've been in the league now a few years, and other than that bubble season, all, all they've seen is disappointment and losing and uh, amid the upheaval, which is part of the reason there's been so much disappointment and losing because of that upheaval. So I, I think Pedersen really wants to judge before he's going to make a decision about where he spends the prime of his working life. He wants to see how the team is going to do, how these changes are going to play out. And there's definitely been a focus there, Ian, on what the Canucks can show him, especially, I guess, early on, but certainly even through all of the season. But the other part of this is that he's at an interesting part because, as you said, he's not going to be UFA at the conclusion of this year. He'll still have one year of team control. And because of that, it makes a lot of the contract comparables the ones that have come up this summer, like Sebastian Ajo, which to me and to a lot of people – having watched Patterson a lot and knowing what he's capable of, that number seems low, but because he only has the one really big scoring season, it seems to me that he's setting himself up to go into this season with uh, a lot of upside. If he's able to replicate the year that he had last year from a point perspective that could then 
he, he could stand to make quite a bit more money, even on a four-year term. Yeah, I, I agree with that, uh, Izzy. I, I think, though, that money is probably not the driving factor here for, for Elias. He, he knows he's going to get paid. And, you know, whether that means he, he makes $10.5 million or $12 million, he knows he's going to have more money than he'll ever be able to spend. It'll be set for life on his next contract. I think, I think across the league, and, and again, we see it with the Matthews contract, I think across the league, um, players understand that we're about to head into what's going to likely be the greatest inflationary period in in nhl history and so if you're willing to wait or in the case of matthews you take a shorter term and and you know set yourself up to still be a ufa when you're in what should be your peak years and the salary cap three years from now let's say it's 100 million i don't know what it's going to be nobody knows what it's going to be three years from now but it could easily be 100 million dollars three years from now instead of 81 and a half so uh, I think I think there is a degree of looking for, especially for the for the best players who, you know, know that uh, they're going to make a ton of money and and you know the ceiling goes up and and it probably affects them more than anybody. The stars, uh, I mean, but I still don't believe that that's that's the driving factor in in this for Pedersen. I think it's it's part of it for sure that. Every team is going to have more flexibility. Every team is going to have more money to spend. Uh, and most teams will spend it on their best players. But I still think there's more to it than that here, that he just wants to he wants to win. He wants to see how this team is going to do. And uh, then he'll make his decision after that. I understand this is going to come from a bit of a naive point of view here. And I know in the negotiations work, you wait to the last minute, you push it as far as you can for your bargaining power. I get that. But I, I do look at this and I think, like, is it even worth from the from the management's point of view trying to fight for every dollar in this one? Just because I feel like the security of knowing this guy is here for four years, five years, eight years is worth more than whatever dollar figure you're going to get. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know how to answer that bit because yeah. I don't know what I, I don't know what dollars have been exchanged. But if you're sure. saying every dollar, I mean, I don't think they're grinding this out because there's a difference of a half million a year. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't. I, I don't think if, if we're arguing between like twelve and a half and ten, okay, that's a gap. But at the same time, like I, I don't think anyone's going to look at and say, "Wow, they played twelve and a half for Elias Pettersson, but they got his next five years locked up." Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think some people would probably, you know, raise eyebrows if they if they paid him twelve and a half right now. Uh, maybe not when they pay him next summer, but again, uh, I would suggest. Uh, knowing what little I do of the two sides here and, and their positions, uh, I would suggest that maybe he would, wouldn't really be comfortable at this point based on how the last four seasons are, and th- let's say the last three seasons have gone for the team, just saying, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. Mm-hmm. Eight years. Sign me up. Uh, I, I still think no, no matter what, was going to be put in front of him. He wants to. He wants to know that he can win here. He wants to know that a Stanley Cup is going to be possible for him here, and and that's why it's such partly why it's such a big season, not just for him, but for for this 
for this team and, and this regime. You know, the, that it, which way are you going to go? You know, there's there's been a lot of retooling on the fly and a couple of giant steps back for this organization from where it seemed to be coming out of the Edmonton bubble. That it, it you know, if you're going to win, if you're actually going to be a playoff team every year, well, you better start by being a playoff team one year and and then, you know, see how you project from there. And and so far, they they haven't been able to prove that they can even be that playoff team for one year. Again, because there were so many asterisks, asterisks attached to that 1920 season. Uh, I, I think that he really wants to see what he's getting himself into before before he commits long term. Part of that is uh, the new coach and Rick Tockett and the success that the Canucks had down the stretch. Now a lot of those games were not meaningful games in, in a playoff chase, but it does sound like Pedersen saw at least some reasons for optimism. What's what's the key for, for the Canucks to, to build on that to start the season? Well, I, to start with, uh, I'd say, Izzy, they cannot have the appalling starts that they've had the last couple of seasons where they're playing. It felt like they've been playing catch up uh, really since the Edmonton bubble, <laughs> you know, but, but especially the last two seasons, by the time you get to, to mid November, you're, you're, you're already desperate. And, and for last year, it was probably even before that, you know, that opening road trip for the Canucks and they've got another one. You know, I, I keep wondering if at some point, their their scheduling priorities will change, but you know, and no team has complete control of, over their schedule. But here they are again with, you know, they open with back home and then away against Edmonton, and that leads them into a really challenging road trip, where you know they've got to find a way to get points so so that they're not they're not playing out of desperation. You're playing, you want to try and play some games from a position of strength in the standings instead of always constantly a position of weakness and desperation where, you know, tension and the edginess is constant. Uh, The team can never relax. That was something that never happened last year where they got to a point where guys could just kind of relax and play a little bit. Everything was in a state of of crisis and desperation and at times chaos last year and i'm thinking in the in the latter uh, of how how the firing of boudreaux played out publicly so i i think i think so much has to start with a better start from this team and then beyond that individually you know their 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 best players have to have to be great and last year, Patterson was, and Hughes was, and Horvat was pretty darn good until he got traded, and J.T. Miller was pretty darn good at the end. Yep. Uh, but the one guy who wasn't at the start was was Thatcher Demko, and then he got hurt, and and getting injured isn't isn't Thatcher Demko's fault. But I would say, you know, roster wide, if if you're looking at one player that's going to be potential to make the biggest difference it's it's thatcher demko if he can play if thatcher can play a full season like he played at the end of last season 
then this is going to be a, a playoff team. Uh, all things considered, I mean, I'm not, you know, that's assuming that Pedersen doesn't go down with an injury for three months and, and nothing happens to Quinn Hughes. And, you know, if, if, if they get the goaltending, their defense should be a little bit better with the changes that they've made. Their penalty killing should be a lot better with the changes that they've made. I, I'm not sure that they have a third line, a real third line center on the roster, but they've added some pretty good center depth in, in Suter and Bluger. This should be a playoff team if they get the goaltending. What are some indicators then early in the season, whether it's training camp, you mentioned Tockett, hey, this is his first chance for a full, full season and training camp and all that sort of stuff, or it's during the, the first road trip, some early indicators where you're like, okay, this is actually taking, turning a corner, not necessarily progress to multiple playoff round wins or anything like that, but for the level that they need to get to, what indicators are you looking at early in the season? Well, how about, and I don't, I don't want to sound uh, alarmist, and, and people who, who know the market and know my work know <laughs> I'm not the alarmist guy, but how about they get through a training camp? How about they have a good training camp in preseason? That would be a start, wouldn't it? Yeah. And if you think about the, uh, about the last two preseasons, two years ago, uh, Pedersen and Hughes weren't here at the start because they were awaiting you know, new contracts, and they came in partway. And I believe that was a camp where as soon as Pedersen arrived, Brock Besser got hurt. And then last year, Brock Besser got hurt again at the start. Uh, Mikheyev, who was their big off-season acquisition, got hurt uh, at the start. And, and really, it felt like from the, from the time they arrived in Whistler to open training camp, it just seemed like they were never cohesive. Like there was always something that they were waiting for or someone they were waiting for. It would be great if they could just have a good solid, I'm not saying run the table or anything, you know, preseason records don't matter, but how about they just have a good cohesive training camp where none of their key players gets, gets hurt. You know, that would be a start. If you can, if you can actually build yourself a solid platform on which to begin the season, then you have a chance to start a lot better chance to start well. But both of the last two seasons, you know, there'd been enough problems in training camp slash preseason that you went into the regular season feeling like they're not, they're not fully prepared, you know, whether it's waiting on players and, and remember last year, Besser, there wasn't sure whether he'd be ready. And then if, is he going to be, if he's plays at the start, how's his, how's his hand going to be, you know, there's just, there's been, and of course, last year Thatcher Demko was coming back from off-season surgery. There, there's just been so many impediments in September. It seems to me in early October, the last couple of years, that it's made it it's made it difficult for them to have the starts that they need to have to be a playoff team. So I'd say, you know, how about how about we have a, a good solid training camp and a feeling that the team is ready to go when the regular season opens. Excellent stuff, Ian. We've got to let you go here. We've got some guests by our booth. Uh, appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'll look forward to many more of these conversations this season. Absolutely. Ian McIntyre over uh, at sportsnet.ca. Hear him on radio and on TV as well. Read his latest. Joining us now by the booth, 
uh, our new two favorite people. We're going to be talking to them quite a <laughs> bit here. Barclay Parnetta and Manny Viveros. Uh, congratulations, Manny. Welcome uh, to Vancouver. Thanks so much, guys. Really happy to be here. Uh, we'll talk to you first. Uh, what, what has been the, the process like for you uh, coming here and, and getting ready for this upcoming season? Well, it's been uh, a bit of a process as far as uh, just waiting after uh, after I left uh, Henderson last season, and uh, we, we really weren't sure what my wife and I were going to do as far as uh, where, what direction we're going to go, but I talked to Barkley and Ron early on in the process, and uh, we were very, very interested from the, from the get-go. I just wanted to make sure uh, with myself as far as health-wise, everything was good. Everything is good now. Uh, everything, uh, you know, checked all the boxes. I'm good to go. And uh, my wife said, let's, get, let's do it. And we're really looking forward to it and can't wait to get started. You've got tons of experience in this league. You've played in this league. You've coached in this league. As you come back to the Western Hockey League, how do you see it has changed or evolved over the years? And what's different about this opportunity for you? Well, you know, as far as, you know, opportunity-wise, uh, just jumping back into it, like, this league is so good. Like, the coaching in this league is as good as any coaching in the professional leagues, American Hockey League, or even, in uh, some cases, maybe the National Hockey League. Um, really good. Every team's prepared. Uh, the teams in this league are, they run their organizations uh, uh, almost like uh, – version of NHL uh, franchises and that's something that really intrigued me coming here to Vancouver but Ron and Barkley have done here over the years and I, an opportunity that where this club has a chance to make that next step um, as far as it, uh, how it's evolved the game's always evolving as, as far as uh, these kids are just getting bigger faster and, and, and smarter all the time here and it's 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 really uh, good to see these kids at this age level and where they can end up being and I've been in the American League and also in the National Hockey League and it's just it's just it's special to see how these kids develop in such a short period of time. Barkley we talked to you here uh, three weeks ago and you know you said you'd have some news for us soon uh, so what was it about Manny that uh, fits into the principles of the Vancouver Giants? I just think with Manny, he, you know, and it sounds so cliche, but he checks all the boxes. His ability to communicate, uh, which is a new era style of communication, I think that his uh, temperament is very good. I think that he doesn't just bring something for our young players that are up and coming. He's going to bring a lot for older guys, our drafted players. You know, Manny's not only played, but he's coached at all of the different levels. Uh, he's run the gamut, whether it's international, NHL, AHL. The wealth of knowledge that he brings for these young kids uh, should absorb this, and he really can help direct them. Also, having Adam Aglio and Manny had worked together previously, that also lends well to a transition where it's a little more seamless and, and it's not as much of a, a runway. They can jump right in right away. And, and you know what, Ron and I and, and, and the ownership group, Pete, we all spoke about early on, you know, we kind of had a heads up that Michael was going to be moving on. So we started even before Michael had actually left, sort of reaching out to people. And Manny was like the first guy that we, we reached out to. And, and sort of started saying, hey, you know, is this something you'd be interested in? And, and I just think the whole story around Manny as well, what he's, all his experience, what he's just been through, just, just really lends well to, to helping foster our kids in a learning environment that I think we're really going to prosper under. We're here in the, in the still the summer. We're in the golf environment, but the games are coming pretty fast. So what's for you, Manny, the, the key that you want to start with this group, start with this with this Giants team this season, uh, because we're we're pretty close to September at this point. Well, first and foremost, is get to know the kids. That, that's something uh, I'll start right away in the next couple of days. Get to know everybody personally, um, not just from the hockey side, but more importantly, off ice as far as uh, you know where they are, where they come from, their family, everything a little bit about their background. That's something before you can do, do anything, you have to build a relationship with these kids, and that's something. Uh, 
um, a little bit late in the process, but uh, you know what? We, we've got time, and I'm going to, and that's an important thing that we'll do on a daily basis of, of talking with players every day, not just hockey, about everyday life, um, you know, how, how life goes in, in general. And uh, um, the hockey stuff will take care of itself, but just getting that the relationships that you build with these kids. Uh, we'd love to go deeper, but it looks like we're holding up the tournament. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do more conversations here in the coming weeks as you guys get ready for training camp. Barclay, Manny, uh, yeah, congratulations exciting news. on the exciting news day. Today, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks uh, for having Thanks, me guys. And shout out to Fast Eddie back at the studio working yeah. the boards there. Absolutely. Uh, Eddie Gregory. Uh, all right. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go to break here on the People Show. Bick Nazar, Israel Fair. Back in a minute here. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the People Show final segment coming to you live from the Kintech studio on location today over at Tawasson Springs Golf Course for the Vancouver Giants Be a Giant tournament. Uh, we get to chat with uh, alum. Thanks for Manny and uh, Barclay for stopping by, management and coach. But let's talk to one of the alum here, uh, Tristan Nielsen, who stops by. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we are doing fantastic. Uh, a tournament like this, you get to... Uh, Talk about your uh, Vancouver Giants days, long seasons and multiple games. Uh, what's it like uh, donning the Giants colors again for a day? Uh, it's awesome. You know, the, the organization's phenomenal and, and the fans were great. And I think that was one of my favorite parts about playing here was the fans. I mean, when you go to LEC, it was always fun. And being here today, you obviously get to meet a lot of the sponsors and just kind of reminisce on old times. And it's it's just a fun day. The Giants community for now over 20 years has been growing and growing and this is an event that, that happens annually where players such as yourself who've been with the team, current players, staff, do you get that sense, that that Giants community sense when you come out to, to an event like this one? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, lots of memories to reminisce on. I mean, when your coaches were even here and you weren't, it was fun just to catch up with them. I mean, going and catching up with Barkley has been a good time. Like, just like things that you wouldn't normally do on a regular day, you get to do here with uh, old friends that you haven't seen in a while, and I think that's what kind of makes these days special. Because you came in through trade, and you kind of had to assimilate into the, the franchise to, to see it evolve over five years now here and, and still be in contact and have that connection to the team. What does that mean to you? Uh, it's it's just like a cool feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can always rely on them. I mean, they're, they're still kind of like always there to work with me. I mean, I... If I need to go work out with the the trainers with them, and they're they're right. more they're opening me with open arms, so it's like it just feels like a big family, and I think that's a, a very important feeling as an athlete. When you went from the Giants to pro, now a couple of years in, in the pros, what set you up, or what do you think you took from your experience playing for the Giants that set you up to to have success in the pros? Honestly, I think it was just uh, a lot of words I heard from my my coach Michael Dick. Um, he was just always talked about playing hard and how at the next level you got to really focus on the details. And I never really <laughs> – it's bad to say, but when I was in junior, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Burn past people, it's, yeah. it's fine, yeah. And then <laughs> and then you went my first year pro, and I got like a rude awakening. <laughs> and I got humbled pretty fast. And honestly, just like listening to those guys and then just hearing kind of uh, guys that have gone to NHL camps. Obviously, I never went until I was 21, so – um, listening to like past guys like that were younger than me, like even Bowen Byram and, and Alex Hanock Liebert, who's my teammate now, um, just listening to their experiences and, and hearing what they did, it was 
It was just cool. Uh, it's also our first chance to uh, congratulate you uh, to your deal with the Vancouver Canucks and, and staying local. You did the Abbotsford thing, and you, you're now with the organization full-time. Uh, well, what's that experience been like just going through that process? Uh, it's It's been a long experience. I mean, obviously, I'm, every 18-year-old hockey player wants to sign an NHL contract, so I'll take it when I'm 23. But um, it's just... Uh, it, it makes me really happy on the inside. Like uh, I'm just really proud of myself, and I'm happy for me and my family. I mean, my family. I wouldn't be here without my family. So, um, the support they gave me and the support that I get from, um, like my dad, my mom, and my sister, it's it's unremarkable, and I'm forever thankful. And it's the reason I am where I am. You had a nice season with Abbotsford last year. How did that affect your your summer and how you're preparing for this year? Um, it just gave me a lot of confidence. Um, I had a really big season there, and it just made me realize like I can play in that league. And now I just Got to have the confidence moving into camp, thinking I can play in the big league. What's the messaging like from from like top down of, of what's possible for the AHL and in, in graduating into the uh, NHL? Uh, I haven't talked about much. I mean, it's just it's like anywhere. If you want to advance, you got to just kind of really dial in your details. And right. when you watch NHL players, I mean, even today, just skating with JT Miller, um, you you just see the details are always there, and they're they're just very consistent. Well, Tristan, thanks a lot for stopping by. We know you're busy. Uh, golf round continues. How are you shooting today? <laughs> uh, we're doing okay. We got one birdie and the rest are pars, so we're oh, doing pretty good. Okay. But uh, I mean, Seems we, we got better when we talk to people. Yeah, we've theme. heard that a couple times. Yeah. We yep. got better. We, we're definitely going to bring it in on the back nine. I appreciate you stopping by, man. Uh, good luck. We'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank Tristan you. Tristan Nielsen stopping by the booth here at Tawasin Springs Golf Course over at the Vancouver Giants. Uh, be a Giant tournament uh, kickoff to uh, their season, which is going to be here. Fast and Furious. We'll talk to a couple more alumni here before we wrap up. Vic Nazar, Israel Fair on location. Uh, an exciting player. You know, we would get a lot of text during the season, uh, this season, for, for fans that, you know, going out to Abbey, mm-hmm. watching games at the Abbey Center, be like, hey, it's, oh, obviously Giants familiar, or Giants fans familiar watching Tristan Nielsen grow up, and they're like, hey, this season he's having is, is pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, he, he had a really nice season. We do the Abbey check-in uh, on the People Show, and it's like, hey, he's, he's having a good season. And to get rewarded, and like this organization or this 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 management group, obviously having their success in the AHL, unearthing guys. I'm not suggesting that, hey, Tristan Nielsen's the next one, but it's it's this habit of finding guys that are are achieving and finding spots to, to, to develop them, and seeing that reward for players that step in, have a good season, you get the reward. Yeah. The message is sent to the rest of the organization, the rest of the players, saying, hey. Like the, the, they're keeping an eye that if you do the job, you'll get your chance. Yeah, and a pathway. I mean, he's, he just yeah. said it. The, the first year, uh, and the, you look at the jump from just point production from mm-hmm. year one to year two, that there was an adjustment period there, his first year with Abbotsford. Last year puts up quite a few points, and it's, he's a great story, and he's the kind of player that you know if he, if he gets a chance to play for the Canucks one day. that It's got fan favorite written all over him. But, it, but it's also just fantastic to have those type of players. Like he, even when they show up with the Giants, it was just immediate. You could see the the energy and the hard work, and I, I don't know he's downplaying the, the the details and all that sort of stuff there with, with Michael <laughs> Dick. But you could see that, and and just the natural energy. You, you kind of need those people in your organization, even if it comes out to hey zero NHL games. Uh, having someone like that in your organization at the at the AHL level of pushing the tempo, and and I know we always use that words of raising the standards, but not having lazy players in your organization big deal because if, if you want to start pushing people your, your your premium assets to start developing we've seen in the city of just like there isn't enough talent and so guys get elevated through yeah to work for your opportunities you need people to drive your your, your other players and and a player like this is obviously already a big fan favorite in Abbotsford mm-hmm. uh it, it could be certainly a, a big value 
uh, for the Canucks as well. Yeah, there's there's value there, and it's one of the one of the benefits I would say of having brought the team over from Utica to Abbotsford. Yeah, You're just a little bit closer to it. A guy like him can spend the summers here uh, in Vancouver. He said he's skating skating with JT Miller. Mm-hmm. I, I did see via the Instagram that JT Miller is already in town. So that's good, that's all good, good stuff. We can go all up and down the organization. It's a good sign when we're talking uh, mid to late August. Uh, players already in town. Uh, you know, last season was a bit later, and you know, well, with contributing factor to, to getting everybody on the same page. But I, I'd suspect here in the next uh, seven to ten days, uh, you see more of those Instagram posts of at uh, YVR. In, in in house and, and start getting ready for the uh, upcoming <laughs> season, uh, but good to hear from uh, Tristan Nielsen. While we wait for uh, some other people to stop on by here, um, briefly mentioned uh, the, the the Corey Davis retirement and the New York Jets and where they're going right now. Dom shaking his head, but just the NFL in general. I, I just you know it's it's been the thing. Dom, I, I know you've seen me mention this before so many times. Of like it's it's catering like everything is about Aaron Rodgers this year for the New York Jets, which is like fantastic. They they needed to make move, they needed to to progress things. But you saw the report yesterday too, like Randall Cobb getting a lot more snaps and a lot more targets in the Jets offense. And this is the thing. That's a twelve win recipe, baby. This is the thing I was worried about. It's 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 if you, are you catering everything towards Aaron Rodgers? And already, I look at this and I think. Hey, Garrett Wilson's fantastic, mm-hmm. but then it's Alan Lazard and it's Randall Cobb. There's some depth starting to move out there because Corey Davis is up and retired. And the the, the depth of uh, the depth of what a, a skill position group that looked really interesting last year is 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 starting to slide away. And oh, we knew it. You said it. it's going to be the Aaron Rodgers show. I just hey, that's a s- risk that you run, and I. I understand why they did it yeah when you've been where the jets have been the last 20 years the last 99 years but it feels like when you have the opportunity to get a guy who's accomplished what aaron Rodgers has in the nfl it's very hard to say no and if i was in their position i would have done the exact same thing but there's there's reasons that it's not a complete slam dunk beyond like like that's throwing out that he's older like he's shown that he can play Mm -hmm. at a high level at his age. That's not the mega concern. Some of these other things and things that, you know, Green Bay had prior to him established success with Brett Favre. There's a foundation there of winning that the New York Jets don't have that. So you wonder when if things start to go awry and all the pressure is on Aaron Rodgers even more so than in Green Bay where it was, yeah, maybe he doesn't have the receivers, but there's there's a, a, a playbook for winning. There's a blueprint for winning yep. there. The, the Jets can't fall back on that so anything that goes wrong early in the season it goes all on him and then if that's the case and you know he's been very good at taking credit for things and he he's one of the best quarterbacks i've ever seen he deserves a lot of that credit he hasn't necessarily been very good at taking uh, accountability when things don't go well and might not be all his fault but he's very good at pointing the finger it's it's gonna be interesting too because i'm very pro like you know when we talk about players legacies I'm very pro looking at the peak and saying, hey, this, this player achieved this. Obviously, longevity is important, but it, it is like his legacy is mostly intact because he's had four MVPs, he's won a Super Bowl, all that sort of stuff. But he is kind of betting it all on himself this year. And this is what's going to be interesting is does it take away if it doesn't succeed? 
or does it even boost it even further if it does succeed and they, you know, win 11 games? And I don't even talk about Super Bowl. If they make a conference championship, yeah, I, I think sure. it boosts the profile and the legacy of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, if, if he bets on himself in this manner and everything, a lot goes his way, that's a, that's a big feather in the cap. We have two recent examples of lifetime quarterbacks yep. moving on late in their career, completely unexpected. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they left and won the Super Bowl. That's the bar, really, for a player in his position. That you know, Not quite his generation, but they, they crossed paths. They played against each other. They were in the league together for a very long time. Obviously, Manning and Brady were attached at the hip from a narrative perspective. Rodgers comes into the league a little bit later, has to wait behind Brett Favre as well. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's in that class. And so that's that's where the that's where the bar is. There, there's no doubt. We know that a player, we've seen it. We've seen Hall of Fame, multi-time MVP type players change teams. And look, Tom Brady had a lot of say in personnel offensively. Peyton Manning had a lot of say in personnel offensively. I think if we were to rank the GMs, Brady, Manning, and Rodgers, yeah. There are more questions about Aaron Rodgers say, as the, as yeah. the <laughs> offensive coordinator right now. I, I will say I've used this too about like Brady and Manning, and you can throw Matt Stafford in there too. Uh, now he's not multi MVP, but yeah, like, he's not but, at but, that level. But guys who have changed like veteran QBs who have changed destinations and, and seen the success, all three go on to win Super Bowls uh, at different timelines. But like Brady got his, Manning got his, Stafford got his. Rodgers is doing this like, hey, I'm going to go get mine. But the, the point that I've always made is like Brady chose Bruce Arians. There's a reason like that worked out. Yep. Stafford chose um, McVay. McVay. Like there's, there's there's reasons that worked out. Like the Broncos from the '90s up until Nathaniel Hackett, basically, were like competitive a, team. A steady competitive team. They're, they're, you're choosing John Elway. That that doesn't exist here, and that's the thing that I've always worried about: is does the bottom drop out faster because you don't have that organizational calmness because someone is a... Because the Jets are the Jets. Sorry, yeah, Dom, like, but like, the Jets are the Jets. They, they, they don't have like the, the Arians. They don't have the McVeigh, the, that type of person. Because when, when, when the the power funnel is inverted towards one person, it, it because it's all on Aaron Rodgers, if it goes wrong, it's there's no one to kind of step in mm-hmm. and be the version of like, hey, we can, we can calm this down. We can, we can troubleshoot. Because everyone's going to be looking at number eight. Yeah. I was going to say number 12, but... Uh, Number eight will be fascinating, and that's a division where there's a team in Buffalo that has, over the last two three years, established mm-hmm. themselves among the elite teams. Speaking of someone that like the betting on themselves, like the head coach there, Sean McDermott. Yeah, he's taking over defensive play calling duties. Yeah, that, it, well, he, he that, took that, he took that some slings bet, last year. Yeah, that guy's betting on himself in a big yep. way too. For a team that needs to take a step, if they don't make the championship game. Like you might see a head coaching change there, which is odd because he's, well, he's very one hundred percent. Yeah, and Miami is a team that it may be a little polarizing, but the, mm-hmm. there's the feeling that they could be absolutely boom or bust. But if they're on the boom side, that makes things a little bit more difficult. It's it's maybe not quite Russell Wilson going to Denver last year, and then everyone looking around that division and going, I don't think so, you, you, uh, you didn't for the Jets. No, when Russell Wilson goes to Denver, and okay. you're going. You don't have an easy path yes. in your. You, yes, you have yes. you have the Chiefs in your sure. division, not to mention the Chargers yeah. and the Raiders. Whatever you you ultimately think of them, it's not like you're going to a situation where 
you completely change the dynamic of that team. Now, there are people that, I mean, Dom thinks that the the Jets can win 12 games, which then I I, I don't know if that means that they're ahead of Buffalo or sure. not. But if, if Buffalo wins 12 or 13 games this year, that's a very good season for them. Yeah. Where does that put Miami and then, of course, the New England Patriots, who even when they're they're not the dominant team that we got used to over 20 years. So banking on 70 wins. They're, they're competitive. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I don't think the bottom will drop out like we saw in Denver. Like, that was exceptionally – like, the, the the home crowd chanting the play clock is something I'll never forget. That's because Nathaniel Hackett's not the head coach of the New York Jets. But, like – It's just a coach. <laughs> There's just a certain level of competency that Aaron Rodgers will have that Russell Wilson just didn't. And I, I don't think we'd see a disastrous season. Like, for instance, the the Seahawks were the big benefits of that because they got the fifth overall yeah. pick over, over everything that happened in Denver. I, I don't see a scenario where the Jets are fifth overall bad. Um, the, the, their baseline is probably like seven, eight wins. Yeah, about 500. If, if, the, if things go really wrong, they're still probably a 500 team. Yeah. Now, if he gets hurt, then that's a totally different scenario, but... So what 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 do you expect to see the first week of the season, right? Monday Night Football. Yeah. Buffalo, New York Jets. What's the expectation? The Jets have to, like, their strength, as, as much as Aaron Rodgers is coming in, the strength of this team is still defensively. Yeah. Like, the, the strength of this team is still the defensive line. They're, they're going to maul some people defensively. And... The Bills' weakness is a offensive line, as yeah. we were talking about the other day. So, like, there's a reasonable expectation that game is like a 21-17 game, and you make it really, really difficult uh, for them. Uh, now breaking news as well uh, in the NFL, uh, Ian Rappaport just putting out uh, Jerry Judy. Speaking of those Denver Broncos, uh, Jerry Judy is going to be missing several weeks. We're, s- we're seeing some injuries now crop up for the wide receiver group especially. Mm-hmm. Um Jackson Smith and Jigba yesterday, Jerry Judy today. Uh, looks like a hamstring injury suffered today in practice. Uh, could miss several weeks. Another uh, fantasy arrow uh, falls by the wayside. People are just like, hey, <laughs> a guy who, who had some hype. He's had hype for a couple years Jerry now. Jerry Judy. Finally kind of lived up to the promise in the back end of the year last year. Uh, but uh, that's, a, that's a troubling one. More, more Cortland Sutton vibes startling to rise. Oof. In uh, Denver, yeah, there's uh, you know, Sean Payton can do some tough talking, but when you got players falling down by the wayside, injured, uh, not not where you want to be starting the year, that's for sure. Sean Payton uh, doing some tough talking. He's been uh, getting after it. Oh, he, he's apparently the big NFL prankster too. Is that right? Yeah, he's uh, amongst the coaching circles. He's apparently the the, the big one that uh, likes to uh, pull some pranks on some guys. So. Oh. So maybe the uh, shots at Nathaniel Hackett were just a prank. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, 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 was, that was pretty serious. Uh, Bick Nazar and Israel Fair here hanging out over uh, at Tawasson Springs Golf Course for the Vancouver Giants Be a Giant uh, golf tournament, which uh, celebrates the alumni, and one of them joining us now. Uh, we welcome in Brendan Gallagher, uh, former Vancouver Giant, Montreal Canadian. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We are doing fantastic. Uh, what's it like coming back and uh, supporting the cause for the Vancouver Giants again? Oh, it's always nice. Uh, it brings a smile to everyone's face. Uh, you see a lot of familiar faces they haven't got the chance to talk to. Uh, you get to talk about the, the junior days, see some old teammates, and uh, you know share some laughs. So 
we got a good group behind us. Um, Lance, Connor, Nolan, Toyo, Jackson, Hoke. Played with all of them, so yeah. we're having some fun on the course. Uh, I think they're kicking our ass right now, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of golf to be played. You've been in the NHL now for, for a long time, but those Giants days, I'm sure, are still pretty fresh for you, especially when you come out to an event like this. When you look back at your time with the Giants and then where they've gone since then and you see the community that's built, built, been built around it, some of those players that you named are guys that played before you, some of those guys that you named are guys that played after you. When you when you get to really soak in that Giants community, that Giants family, what kind of memories does that bring back for you? Yeah, it's nothing but positive memories. Uh, I'm so thankful to have the chance to, to play for the Vancouver Giants. Um, you know, it starts right at the top, Ron Toigo. To this day, if I need something, he's there to help us out. And it's not just the four years you spend with the team. You really become a family. You become a group. Uh, Scott Bonner was our general manager. Same thing. Have a great relationship with Scott. Um, you know, we had a few different coaches. But, uh, you know, it's it, it really is a family atmosphere. Uh, you keep in contact with as many players, as many teammates as you possibly could. And every time you come back like this, they treat you, um, you know, nothing but nothing but the best. So I couldn't be more thankful to, to be a Giant. I wouldn't be where I was without the Vancouver Giants organization, the way they, they prepare you to become a pro and become a great, you know, person in society as well and, and uh, you know I'm, I'm just nothing but positive memories about my time here. We've spoken a lot about the, the culture that the, the organization has built here the last like five six years and they've had so much success even through the pandemic and when, when you kind of talk about uh, just as an athlete like do you take more pride in playing a role in that back then and, and seeing it still carry through? Yeah, I think you do. I think it's uh, it's exciting. You want to see the team do well. You want to um, you want players coming up to be drafted into the NHL. You want to see them playing in the league. Uh, you know, I never played with Bo Byram, but uh, he trains with us and he's around. When they were on their run, he was uh, he was a special player here, and you see him go off and win a Stanley Cup, and that makes you proud. Uh, you know, that's a that's a Vancouver Giant lifting the Stanley Cup, and that's something that uh, that we all take pride in uh, because we are you know, like you say, you're all a family here, and uh, you want it to be you. But if it can't be you, uh, you're happy. It's it's one of the other guys. As you said, uh, you know, guys like Bo Byram. I know you've got a group of players, uh, not necessarily all guys that you played with in junior, but guys that you know from the area that you work out with in, in the offseason. Uh, where are you at in, in your in your regimen and in getting ready for the upcoming season? Yeah, we're getting ready to, to take off. Um, you know, our summer group is uh, taking in a lot of the Canucks players that are in town. So they're coming to skate with us right now. I think we all got one more week here uh, for the most part, and then we're taking off off to Montreal and, um, you know, get skating with the guys there and, uh, you know, hopefully compete, hopefully have a good year. You never know how you're going to be going into a season. Uh, you just want to take care of yourself, give yourself the best chance to, to help the team. Uh, your teammates are doing the same thing, and then you, you go in and you see where you're at and you compete right away. And, uh, you know, the start of the season is always fun because everyone feels like you have a chance, so you, you try to make the most of it. Last one for you. We'll let you go as the, the cars pile up behind us here. Um, that team, like so many changes have happened, trades and guys have come in. What are you excited about this season with the uh, Montreal Canadiens? Well, personally, I, I, I want to play a full season. I, you know, the last couple of years have been really frustrating for me personally because, uh, you know, I've been unhealthy. And, uh, you know, two years ago was, was something I felt like a control. Um, you know, had a, had a short summer and, and really just didn't feel healthy at any point. Uh, last season was just really unlucky. Uh, right. you know, broke a bone early on in the year and, uh, the, for whatever reason, never healed. And, um, you know, pretty much cost me a full season. So I'm, I'm hoping to stay healthy. Had a great summer. Uh, feel great coming into it. And, and stay healthy and for us as a group you know hopefully um you know we can take strides our young guys are getting better they're getting more experience they're getting more mature and uh you know 
you never know when your time's going to be when you start pushing, uh, you know, the top teams in the league. We have a very competitive division, mm-hmm. uh, so we're tested every single night for the most part, and, and I wouldn't ask for anything more. I think that we're, it's going to be a great gauge to see where our group is early on. Well, appreciate you stopping by. Uh, awesome. Best of luck with the round. Thanks, Thank Brendan. You guys. It's Brendan Gallagher joining us here, uh, booth side, uh, at the Vancouver Giants Be a Giant Golf Tournament uh, with uh, a lot of alumni, and uh, as we talked to uh, Barkley and Manny, the new uh, head coach for the Vancouver Giants, uh, nice to chat with uh, Brendan Gallagher as well there. Uh, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, yeah. uh, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, kind of an interesting spot too because obviously Flakowski, uh we, we saw the up and down. A lot of young players, man. A lot of young players, but they, they got really excited. Like, I'm a huge Nick Suzuki Absolutely. admirer. Um, and so they got him locked up through the sea on him as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's part of that uh, group that it, it's it's one of these teams that we talked about earlier that like needs to take the next step. And I'd be interesting to see like what the next step is for the Montreal Canadiens. Is it 500 hockey? Is yeah. they pushing to 90 points? Uh, whatever it is. But uh, it, they're they're in an interesting spot because they haven't been shy about trying to make some... No, they've been pretty aggressive tr- yeah. in, in making moves. I mean, Brendan Gallagher is now the veteran on mm-hmm. that team, right? And when, you know, he's had an incredible NHL career. Uh, and when he's been on, when he's good, that team tends to be good. I know maybe he's coming off of these injuries mm-hmm. now. Maybe he's at a different point in his career. But if he can provide them that presence, that the, the things that he brings on a, on a nightly basis, that tenacity, the physicality, um, the fearlessness, right, to, to go into goal, pass that on um, to, to those young players. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that when he hasn't been in the lineup, they have missed that. If he's feeling good going into the season, there is, you know, we talked about Buffalo, New Jersey, Ottawa, Detroit, those teams have kind of been identified as New Jersey's ahead of it. Montreal, they're not too far off. I mean, they're not in that group because people want to see at least another season and they haven't been, like you said, big, not shy of making moves. But, uh, yeah, a real fascinating team to watch. They made a bet on Kirby Dock and it worked out. Uh, yes. He, he had a good season. They made a bet on Alex Newhook this season. We'll see how that uh, works out for them as well. Big Nazar is real fair. All right, we got to get out of here. Uh, we're done for the day. Back tomorrow. The traveling Kintech studio continues. We're at the Nat tomorrow for a nooner at the Nat. So come on by, grab your tickets there. Uh, for, we'll be there from 11 to 1. Hopefully you enjoy the game too. But you always uh, stop on by and say hello to us at Nat Bailey Stadium tomorrow. Blue Jays baseball on the way here. Uh, we say uh, goodbye from uh, the Be a Giant Golf Tournament. Big news for the Vancouver Giants today and excited for their season, which is going to be coming up pretty soon here on our airwaves. People Show, Sportsnet 650.